Harold uh, was a church parishioner, and he went up to his pastor at the end of a Sunday service, and he said, Pastor, I really want to be here for the message next week, uh, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to miss because of the really big game, and I'm, I'm just in a quandary. I don't know how I'm going to be here and, and also be there, in which the pastor then took and patted uh, Harold on the back and said, Harold, it's okay. We have things called digital recording now. And Harold, with bright eyes, uh, looked at him. He goes, wow, pastor, that's awesome. He goes, so I can record your service now instead of worrying about having to miss the game. I don't think that's exactly what the pastor meant, but here's what I would tell you. Today we're recording uh, for the purposes of benefiting the body. Here's uh, what we're going to be doing over the next handful of weeks. Church, we're going to be spending some time together walking through Romans chapter 12. And we want to gather together for the purpose of helping one another learn how to live differently. And so have you ever thought about the art of living differently in a world that is full of indifference? Well, that is our goal. And we're going to dive in now in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes to the church of Rome, and he just simply says, Church, I, I want to appeal to you, therefore, as brothers by the mercies of God. When we think about this statement, here's uh, what he begins with is the word therefore. And that word therefore is always uh, there so that we could look back and see what it's there for. And here's what Paul is simply doing in Romans chapter 12. He is building on 11 previous chapters of a demonstration of the mercies of God. These previous chapters help us to understand that we have received mercy from Christ. Therefore, we ought to be instruments of God's mercy. Are you an instrument of God's mercy? If not, maybe you should ponder on all the things that God has done for you, the many ways He has shown His mercy. We see in Romans that we have been forgiven and released from the penalty and the payment of sin. We have been adopted into His family. We're now heirs of the promise. We have been placed under grace rather than being bound to the old law. We have been sealed with Uh, the Holy Spirit. We now have a helper, a comforter, one who guides us into all truth. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit's help in all of our afflictions, that God never leaves us, that He is constant with us. We have the assurance of a firm calling, that we are His uh, ambassadors, but also that we have a future hope of glory. We we are reminded in Romans chapter 8 that nothing will separate us from the love of God. That's an incredible promise of God, and it just helps us to live in light of the mercies of God. Matter of fact, because of the mercies of God, we are to not just live in view of those mercies, but we are to present our bodies to God as living sacrifices. But let's just talk about our bodies. When's the last time that you thought about your body being an instrument of God's grace and mercy to the world? Paul writes to the church of Timothy uh, writes to his buddy Timothy and simply says this uh, in 2 Timothy 2, verses 21 and 22. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. He would be set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. The idea is that you and I have an opportunity to be Earth, earthly, uh, earthen vessels that we can reflect God's goodness if, verse 22, we 
flee youthful passions, and we begin to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So the reality is, is that our bodies are to be in sacrificial service to God. Jesus would say it this way in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. In essence, your entire being is a vessel for God's use. We are to be honorable. We are to be loving. We are to be merciful. We are to exude the very things that we have received as promises from God to a broken world. Paul writes to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, and he asked the question, Hey, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This same theme uh, in which our body is a gift from God to be used as a vessel of his service. Matter of fact, he poses the question, don't you know that your body that houses the Holy Spirit as a temple is from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We need to begin thinking about what it looks like for us to be instruments of God's mercy and his righteousness, that you and I are to steward our bodies. So how do we steward our bodies? Well, I would tell you this. It's not near as much about what we eat and about what we drink and about what, where we, uh, what we wear. It's not about our workout routine and about keeping ourselves in, in health, healthy and fit conditions. I mean, obviously God cares about those things, but what does he care more about? He cares more about how we use our day for his glory, for his service, for his causes of righteousness. Matter of fact, we ought to be thinking about how we would use our bodies in service to God today. That we would wake up early and then we would go to bed late and we would do so exhausted because we have poured out the mercies of God among other people. So how are we being used for the purpose of God? Like how is your body being used in that way? Do you serve yourself or do you serve God, the one who willingly gave himself for you? So how have you stewarded your body? We are in a unique time uh, and season right now in America. Uh, many of us have not left the house for very long. If so, it's simply to go to the doctor or go to the grocery store or to run an errand or two. And by and large, we are, or many of us are ready to break out of the house. We, we just want some some friends to gather with. We just want to go out and enjoy a meal. And there's many of us that we have still been contemplating that. But the question I have for you is, how have you stewarded your body in this unique time? How have you done things for the purpose of God? So what are you doing with your time? How have you deepened your faith in this season where you are in some ways forced to slow down? How have you loved your family well? Who's the last person that you picked up the phone and you called? Why haven't we used our, our extra time in some ways to bless other people? That's what we do with our bodies. So the question you might ask yourself is, am I serving others well in this season? Or am I serving myself? But here's what I would tell you. In order for us to use our bodies, we have to be a living sacrifice. That's what Paul is talking about, that we would be a living sacrifice. So when that means that we are a living sacrifice, it means that we don't meet the Old Testament requirements of sacrifice. In the Old Testament, what God found appropriate was uh, 
a sacrifice that was without blemish or spots, that had no scrapes or cuts or scars. It wasn't blind, but it was a male that was of prime condition. But every sacrifice that was appeasing to God in the Old Testament had to die. But Paul is saying that to be acceptable before God now in this day and age, that we are to not die, but to be living. But in order to be living sacrifice for God, maybe it does mean that we should die to ourselves. But at this present time, isn't it an amazing thing that you are joining us online and you are alive? Think about this. If you're alive, it means that your heart is right now beating in your chest. It means that there are brain waves that are working right now in your mind. It means that your lungs take deep breaths and you don't even realize it. If you're dead, it means the opposite of those things. It means that you have no longer, uh, are you having heartbeats? No longer do you have brain waves. No longer do you have a capacity to do anything before you are dead to not only the world, but to yourself. And so that means that you have no capacity for service. And so here's what you ought to do. You ought to look to, to your neighbor in your house, to your spouse or to your kids, or you ought to celebrate even there among yourself and go, hey, I'm alive. So everybody real quickly just go, hey, we're alive. Because we're alive, because we have a breath to take, and because we woke up this morning, we can be a living sacrifice. And as a living sacrifice, we are to use our bodies in service as an earthen vessel for the purposes of God to a world that desperately needs Him. And so here's the deal. We are to use what God has given us right now for His glory. But let me ask you a question. What is it that's difficult about a living sacrifice? And and here's what it is. Uh, A living sacrifice is always tempted to crawl off the altar of God's grace. Uh, We are always looking for some ways to, in a sense, maneuver around the purpose of God and to do what's right in our own eyes. Isn't that a challenge? But yet Paul writes to the church of Galatians, and he just simply says it this way, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now, this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The reality is that Christ has has died for us and we now live as a sacrifice to him because we die to ourselves every day. Matter of fact, it is that living sacrifice that makes us acceptable to God. Have you ever thought about that, that we are to be holy and acceptable to God, and that is, in a sense, your spiritual act of worship? That that's how we have a belonging with God, and we interact with Him, and we worship Him. But have you ever pondered this question, what is acceptable to God? What is acceptable to God? And here's what I would tell you, God is acceptable to God. God, the one who has never thought or done or said anything that was sinful, is acceptable to himself. Matter of fact, if you begin to think about us as the creation, we rarely do anything that is acceptable to God. We are sinful. We are wretched. We are vile. Our hearts are darkened. We are deceived. We are children of wrath. We live under the the prince of the power of the air. We are confused. We're deranged in our mind and our our Feet take us places that we should not go. And that is true about us. Creation is sinful. We, we are not holy. Matter of fact, we have nothing righteous about us. Therefore, 
as God's creation, we are not acceptable to God on our own. Matter of fact, if God is acceptable to, to himself and he is holy and perfect and pure, then the question is, is how do we become acceptable to God? And I would say this, we are only made righteous and we are only made acceptable to God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So look at that. Jesus was made unrighteous so that he might bring us to God. He, he the righteous one, is imputing his righteousness to us. That's the idea of 2 Corinthians 5.21. The idea that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteous of God. This is incredible transfer. God places his son on the cross on our behalf so that we might be made righteous in his sight. So what was no longer acceptable to God because of our sin can be made right and acceptable to God. Which then begins to ask that question, if God values things about himself, then how do, how do we become acceptable? And here's what we do. We value things that God values about himself. If he is holy and perfect, maybe that's the things that we should think about. Paul writes to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And this is what he tells them. He goes, finally, brothers, we should be thinking about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Hey, if there be anything that's excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So you might ask yourself, is what I'm about to do with my body as a living sacrifice to God, does it please God? Like, would God be okay with this himself? And if so, that you should do those things. We should commend ourselves to continue to do the things that God values because those are the things that are acceptable to God. Peter also writes uh, this in 1 Peter 2, 5, that we or you ourselves are being made into living stones, built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices that are holy we're acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So how are all of our lives acceptable? Through Jesus Christ. And so what is it that should be acceptable? I would say it's our lives through the power of Christ. But not only is it our lives, but it could also be our worship. The very things that we do. Uh, Hebrews 12, 28 says this, Therefore, let us be grateful receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God an acceptable worship. That what we're doing right now, because we're meditating and thinking and studying the things of God, is acceptable to God. And we should do that with reverence and with awe. Paul writes to the church of Philippi in Philippians 4, verses 18 and 19, that we don't just give our lives and our worship to Him, uh, but we also can, in a sense, give our generosity to Him. Philippians 4, 18 and 19 uh, Paul says, I had received a full payment, and even more, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice that was acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ. What he's saying is there is that he is acceptable to God because of his life, because of his worship, but also that we can be acceptable to God by the way we steward the resources he's entrusted to our care that we can be generous with all things because those things please God. And that is Romans 12, verse 1. 
But then verse 2, there's this commission that we are not just to be living sacrifice, that we're not just to be holy and pleasing to the, to the Lord, but he also gives us a warning to not be conformed to the patterns of the world. And so we know that just as Paul um, would encourage us uh, in many ways in, in this passage, Peter also does the same in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. He goes, as obedient children, hey, don't be conformed to the former lust in which you were in in your ignorance. Uh, so the reality is, is we are to leave the old things behind, die to ourselves, and we are to pursue Christ and His righteousness. And so as we do that, we know that we are not to, uh, to be of the world. Though we live here and it is our present home, that's not the home in which we long for. We have a longing for a greater home, a destiny uh, that is uh, for us and our inheritance, 1 Peter 1 that will never spoil or fade away, that's being kept in heaven for us. Because we are citizens of heaven, it means that we no longer should act as citizens of this world. And so we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Kind of a John 17 passage, what Jesus is talking about. Matter of fact, Howard Hendricks, um, a professor, a former professor, at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary once said this, that you and I are either in the Word, and the Word is conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ, or you are in the world, and the world is squeezing you into its mold. And really, I would say that's true for every single one of us. Our bodies are either a living sacrifice to God, and we are either um, honoring Him with what we do, or... We are in the world, and the world is squeezing us, molding us, and shaping it to its own patterns. And so we are to not be conformed to the world, but we are to be transformed. We are to be transformed, as Paul says, by the renewing of our mind. But let's talk about the idea of transformed. Uh, this word in the Greek is the word that we get metamorphosis from. Uh, this, this word is literally translated a few times in our Bible. One of them is in the Transfiguration, where Jesus actually appears before his God, uh, before God on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's one of the references that we see in a couple of the Gospel accounts. The other one uh, we see is, is also just kind of being transformed, and, and which we'll see in, second, uh, in, second, in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. But here's what he's saying. He goes, uh, to be transformed in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it just simply says this, but we all with unveiled faces behold as a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we are being transformed to the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. The idea that to be transformed, this idea of metamorphosis, is that it's a continual pattern. It's something that we continually do, that we are being transformed always into the likeness. It's kind of the idea of Philippians 1.6, that if God began a work in you, he's going to carry you to completion, that he is growing you, molding you, shaping you, and he does so through the renewal of your mind, which is what Titus brings about, where he says this, he saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. And so the idea is that we are to continually be thinking about our minds, about what we've put in our minds. And so in light of what we're dealing with right now, what is it that you set your minds on? Are you setting your minds on the temporal, finite realities that are before you? Or are you setting your minds on things above? And isn't that what Paul is encouraging us to do? Is to how our minds transformed. I can't think 
of a better time in the history of our nation than for us as believers in Christ to use this time to allow the Lord to transform our hearts and our minds, our bodies, our soul, every fiber of our being can be, in a sense, brought before the altar of God's grace because we've received mercy from Him. We can ask Him to help us be merciful. And it can begin not only in our bodies, but also in our minds. Think about this. What are you doing with your mind? Paul says in Philippians 4, 7, that as the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, He will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I would say that's one of the greatest things that we need to happen right now in our present reality is ask God, even in this moment, to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What does that look like for us to continually, habitually, every day, ask God to keep our minds pure, to guard them in Christ? But not only that, not only we should have minds that are guarded, but we should have minds that are looking for heavenly things, eternal things. Not temporal things, but eternal ones. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 just says this, If you have been raised with Christ, so if you've received mercy, you should seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Paul encourages the church of Colossae to set their minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. In this time in which you have a little bit more um, freedom and time on your hands to not go to work and uh, possibly to not do all the things that you are doing with, with the exception of a handful of people that are joining us. What a great opportunity for us to get a perspective of eternal things, to not only allow the God, to guard, uh, God of creation to guard our hearts and minds of Christ Jesus, but also for us to seek things that are above. I would tell you this, Paul also writes to the church of Ephesus in, in chapter 4, verses 22 and following. He says this, that we are to put off our old self, which belongs to the former manner of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires, and we are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That means that we are to daily bring our minds before God, and we are to allow God to use them, cleanse them, mold them, shape them, transform them. Matter of fact, in verse 24, he goes, you should put on the new self that's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So as we think about how we train our bodies to be a living sacrifice, we also ought to be thinking about how we train our minds. And that's a really good question. How do we train our minds? How do we begin to be transformed, renewed in our mind? And I would say this, it's how we choose to use our time by reading discerning and applying God's word. So here it is. We are able to read God's word. In this season, in this day and time, one of the greatest things you could do is read God's word every day. Spend time examining the passage. Ask great questions. Then apply it to your life. Don't merely be, as James says, a hear of the word and so deceive yourselves, but we should apply it. Do what it says. That's the goal. Why? Because we want to have our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls transformed in the image and the likeness of God. Because that's what, uh, when tested, allows us to discern what the will of God is. That's the latter part of verse 2. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And so here's what Paul has done. He has spent the previous portions of verse 1 and 2, and he has just told us what it looks like to live in the will of God. He goes, you want to live in the will of God? He goes, it's, it's in a sense, pretty easy. Um, not easy to apply, but easy to understand. The way that we live in the will of God has nothing to do about location or about job, but it has to do with our condition of our heart and our life before Him. 
So in a sense, God's mercy has made us acceptable to God. We should live and view God's mercy as a means to, re, uh, to renew ourselves and to give mercy away. We ought to des- decide to yield ourselves to Him, our bodies and our minds daily. That every sing- single aspect of our self should be conformed to the image of God, our mind, our body, our soul, and our strength. We ought to resist, resist conforming to the patterns of the world. We, we should not be, in a sense, moving towards the things, the elements of the world, but we ought to be moving more towards Christ's likeness. That doesn't mean that we rid ourselves of the world, but it means that we think through the world differently, that we see it in a biblical worldview, a way that, in a sense, brings about God's purposes. And here's what we do. We renew our minds daily, hourly, Moment by moment, we're asking God to renew us. And as we are renewed in Christ, as we think and focus and ponder on Him, our hearts and our lives become acceptable to God. Which brings us back to the one question. What is acceptable to God? God is acceptable to God. So friends, could we all agree we ought to be thinking about the things that God thinks about and what He cares about? And may our prayer simply be that of Paul to the church in Ephesus, that God would enlighten the heart to see, that that we would see the things that God cares about and we would join him there. That we, because we are brothers in view of God's mercy, we would present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's our spiritual act of worship. Let me pray for us, friends. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. Lord, we pray that you would use it to spur us on towards love and good deeds. Help us to think about, to ponder, and to be renewed over the things that you care about in your word. Help us to read them, discern them, apply them. Lord, help us to use our bodies as earthen vessels, tools given by you as a merciful God, to show and exude your character and your mercy to a world that desperately needs it. Lord, we have a time right now, a time not to lock ourselves at home, but a time to care for one another. I say, I pray, Lord, that we would think about how we run towards people with care and compassion in this situation. I pray that many of us would be compelled to pick up the phone and call people in a time of need. I pray many of us would be thinking about how we use our bodies as a means to pick up groceries for people who can't get out or how we can pick up prescriptions and we can help people. Lord, I pray that you would give us creative hearts and minds. I pray, Lord, that we would be renewed, transformed in your image. And I pray that the people of God here in this body would come alive and that we would die to ourselves daily so that we could gladly serve you in submission every day of our life. Father, we love you and thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.